I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. and welcome to Thoughts from Harry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, the mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 112 of Thoughts from Harry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about the degeneracy of We're hearing the bang of war drums again. This time, it's all about Iran. As most of you are probably aware, President Trump earlier this week made the decision to pull the United States out of an agreement it had forged with Iran relating to nuclear weapons. And so now we're hearing a lot of bellicose talk, a lot of saber rattling. And I'm seeing my Facebook feed once again filled up with war hysteria. And I don't really want to get into the issue of Iran specifically or the arms agreement. There's a lot of people talking about that, and I quite frankly don't have anything to add to that conversation. But I do want to talk more generally about the issue of war, particularly as conservatives approach this issue. Now, I've talked about war before. In fact, just a couple of episodes ago, I talked about war powers. And way back in episode number 24, I talked about why not war and explained a little bit about my own uh, views on foreign policy. And if you've been following me at all, you know that I am a foreign policy non-interventionist. Now, that does not mean I am an isolationist. That's what people who oppose my position will say because it's a dirty word. Oh, you're an isolationist, and that's just not realistic in the real world. I'm not an isolationist. I'm really a Jeffersonian when it comes to foreign policy. You probably heard the famous quote about commerce with all nations, alliances with none should be our motto. He wrote that in a letter in 1799. Uh, you know, no t- entangling alliances, but friendship with everybody. I believe in robust international trade. I believe that when we are doing business with other countries, we're much less likely to get into wars with them because, hey, we're cooperating. So, very much a Jeffersonian. In fact, I love this quote. This is from a 1799 letter. Uh, Jefferson said, I am for free commerce with all nations, political connections with none, and little or no diplomatic establishment. And I'm not for linking ourselves by new treaties with the quarrels of Europe, entering that field of slaughter to preserve their balance or joining in the confederacy of kings to war against the principles of liberty. You know, maybe... uh, just substitute quarrels of Europe with quarrels of the Middle East, and I think we might have a really good foreign policy. But here's the real problem, and like I said, I want to kind of put this into context with what I see coming out of 
you know, your rank and file conservatives, your mainstream Republicans. And I've got a lot of these friends on Facebook and, and I'm seeing the posts and they're all about, you know, we've got to we've got to stop Iran from nuclear weapons. And we've got to do this to Iran and the regime is horrible. And, you know, I'm not going to argue that the regime is horrible. Uh I am going to debate whether or not it's wise for us to, once again, try to interfere in the affairs of another country. It did not work out particularly well in Iraq, or in Libya, or in Syria, or in uh, Yemen. You know, <laughs> insert Middle Eastern country here. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of pragmatic reasons to say this foreign policy is not working. But from a broader perspective, I think there's a lot of these conservatives and and they call themselves limited government people, you know? And let me be honest with you. You cannot be simultaneously limited government and cheerleading for the latest war. Those two things are mutually exclusive. When you have war, you are going to have a bigger government. That's a fact. And when the war is over, the government is not going to shrink back to the size that it was before the war. This is what Dr. Robert Higgs called the ratchet effect. It's very true, and it's actually demonstrable. Uh, Higgs wrote an entire book called The Leviathan that goes into this. I'll, I'll link to that on the show notes page, and I might not have said the complete title, but it's a fantastic book that shows how war creates this ratchet effect of bigger government. So, if you are a conservative, and if you're listening to me and you're you're saying, Mike, Mike, you just don't understand, and you're naive, and we have to intervene, and we have to be the world's policemen, and you know we've got these moral obligations, whatever reason you may have, I want you to at least step back and count the cost. Because anytime you engage in a policy, there are costs involved. And I don't think enough people on the right, enough conservatives, actually count the cost of all of these wars. I don't think they really understand what they're doing in the bigger picture. And I really, really wish they would because I believe in their heart of hearts they do want limited government. They just don't understand how their policy that they're pushing at the, at the foreign level is completely undermining that whole concept. I want to look real quick at a very famous passage that was written by James Madison. And it really sums up all of the reasons that I am a foreign policy non-interventionist. This is what Madison wrote. He said, Of all the enemies to public liberty, war is perhaps the most to be dreaded, because it comprises and develops the germ of every other. So right there off the top, we see that war is an enemy to public liberty. In fact, Madison said it creates all of the other enemies of public liberty that we might find. War brings about all of these horrible things, and he's going to go more into depth than this. And I want to break this down into, into a couple of sections. So, it is the enemy of public liberty. Well, why? Because war is the parent of armies. From these proceed debts and taxes. And armies and debts and taxes are known instruments for bringing the many under the domination of the few. A huge proportion of the U.S. budget, which is $21 trillion in debt, is earmarked for military spending. For They call it defense spending. They ought to call it offense spending because most of these wars are offensive. We're not defending anything. There is nothing that Iran is going to do to the United States of America. So these are 
unconstitutional wars. I covered that in the War Powers episode a couple back. And they are creating these bloated military institutions. I'm going to use the word military-industrial complex because it is absolutely descriptive of what we have today. And from this, we have debts and taxes. We are never going to be able to pay this stuff back. And from these debts and taxes, we are basically being enslaved by our own government. War is a huge part of this. So, as I said, count the cost. Madison goes on. He says, in War II, the discretionary power of the executive is extended. Its influence in dealing out offices, honors, and emoluments is multiplied, and all the means of seducing the minds are added to those of subduing the force of the people. So what's Madison getting at here? Well, the power of the presidency is expanded in war. You get all kinds of new departments. You get all kinds of new uh, bureaucracies. You get you know, surveillance agencies that are designed to keep us safe, but are in reality spying on our own personal lives. We end up with militarized police forces. All of these things stem from war, that executive power. You know, people hated it when Obama did all these executive orders, but this, all of this stems from War, because when war's going on, everybody's like, oh, well, the president needs to do this because we're at war. And then, like I said, ratchet effect. Once the war's over, things go back to normal. We've set the precedent that the power, uh, that the president has the power to do these things. So the discretionary power of the executive is extended. And once it's extended, it never goes back to its original shape. Finally, Madison writes, the same malignant aspect in republicanism may be traced in the iniquity of fortunes and the opportunities of fraud growing out of a state of war, and in the degeneracy of manners and of morals engendered by both. Warfare changes the character of a country. It makes people bitter. It makes people angry. It makes them believe that violence is an acceptable way to deal with the problem. It literally creates moral degeneracy. And that's my biggest concern about this constant warfare. And I've seen it oh so clearly in my Facebook feed, the anger at the Iranians. We've got to do something. And you know what? Their regime may suck, but that doesn't justify killing them or starving them to death. Madison concluded, no nation could preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare. We've had continual war in the United States for decades That should really, really concern you if you value freedom and liberty. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas to michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. And if you have not done it already, please head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast for free. I appreciate you listening, and I'll talk to you again next time.